Scripture reading this evening will come from Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. The Apostle Paul writes there, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is God's Word. You may be seated. But before we pray, just, uh, just a word about that last song we sang. Uh, ben said that you could download it on iTunes. You can also go to YouTube. Um, you may have noticed at the... Uh, uh, Jeff, could you go back to the very first slide of the song, Oh, Praise the Lord, or Praise the Name, excuse me. You see the word there on the side, anastasis, that's actually that's a, a transliteration of the Greek into the English, it's a word for resurrection. And this is one of the songs that we want to sing, and to sing loudly, and to sing with faith, to sing the message of this song at Easter this year. So let me once again, if you don't know the name of the song or haven't written it down, make sure you write down, Oh, Praise the Name, the Zoe group, or you can find it on, um, on YouTube, and that's be practicing that song with our, with our children, with our spouses, that's, that's listen to it as we're going through our day, and that's sing this song as, as one of the ways that we are going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus on Easter. We'll go back to this. Uh, we don't have sermon slides. Let's go back to the, the blank slide, Jeff. Thanks. Let's pray. Father above, we try at times with all of our might to live on bread alone or pie or sweet rolls on the empty calories and then we hear, we hear your word and we are humbled in the reminder that we live by every word that proceeds from your mouth. All the revelations, all the truths, all the gifts, all the insights, all the commands of your will, all the summons to mission, all the assurances. And we thank you for this true bread that sustains us in this world. Bless us with ears to hear in order to be better listeners. And bless our eyes to not be blind while we listen to your word. And for these things in advance, we are grateful and thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Bob Feller, a uh, pitcher, very famous pitcher, he was pitching for the Cleveland Indians during his prime. They were playing a game in Chicago. It's the bottom of the ninth. There were two outs. Chicago was down by three one runs when they loaded the bases. The batter at the plate represented the winning run. And right then, for some reason, the manager of the Indians decided to make a pitching change, so he called a kid out of the bullpen who was, had just been moved up from the minors to come and to make his first major league uh, pitch in that game, two outs, bottom of the ninth, who he's pitching to, bases loaded or down by three, who he's pitching to at the plate represents the winning run. He threw his pitch, the batter hit the ball over the fence, so far there was a vapor trail behind it, it was a grand slam, walk-off homer. 
the Indians lost. The young man, as you can imagine, pretty depressed and frustrated, terribly upset at letting the game go like that, sought the advice of the famous Bob Feller, um, the, the, the star of the game on the star pitchers while they were in the locker room. He asked, Bob, what would you have thrown? And Feller responded, I would have thrown that pitch under an assumed name. I, I sometimes wonder, as I know that you do at times, if Jesus looks down on his church and says to himself, oh, please don't use my name in the way that he sees his people living and acting and responding. I'm grateful for Billy reading the text. I want us to read it again and to listen again to what it is that Paul writes to this church in Colossae. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you can sum that text up in one line, it would go, I think, something like this. All of life is to reflect the presence of Jesus. All of life is to reflect the presence of Jesus. If, Lord, if Jesus is Lord over all, then what part of your life does that not include? If he is Lord over all, then that means he is Lord in your home, on the phone, in conversations, at the office. He's Lord of your entertainment. He is Lord of your business trips. He is Lord when you're victorious. He is Lord when you mess up. We should never, as His people, accept as a truth that there is a difference between the secular and sacred life. When we do, when we say that, or we act, or, or, or live, as if there is a disconnect between our secular life and our sacred life, how we are at church and how we live in the world, what we are saying is that the power of God really isn't strong enough and potent enough and pervasive enough to affect every single sentence we utter, every decision we make, whether in our business life, our married life, our family life. There is no disconnect because the power of God is so overwhelming that it touches every part of our life. It's just not a biblical idea. And you're not going to find any place in the Bible where you have a time out from living a holy, holy and godly life. It seems at times, and it's a part of our culture, that people are a lot like those pachinko machines. Do you remember what a pachinko machine is? It's a pinball machine that sits up on a wall, and you flip, and there's all these nails, and as the ball bounces through these uh, through these nails, the maze of nails, it lands in slots and it gives you a score. It seems to me that a lot of people live like that. That they go the direction of the last thing they bumped into. But as disciples of Jesus, as disciples, and I emphasize the word disciples, walking in the steps of Jesus, we are different. Each day that we wake 
we begin with a fixed purpose. We may not know all of the details. We may not know all of the people or the particulars of that day. But we know that Jesus is not only going to be present, but he's going to be Lord over every inch, every second of that day, and over everything that happens. And whatever I do, Paul says, I do it in the name of Jesus. The, uh, the message translation of verse 17 says, let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. The Old Living Bible says, and whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus and come with him into the presence of God the Father to give him your thanks. Think about that for a moment. Everywhere we go, every place we end up, we go as a representative of the Messiah, Jesus. And so the question we ask ourselves as we then now get into the part where we're going to break this down and reflect a little bit more deeply on it, whatever we are going through, whatever we are about to say or do, does it reflect the will of Jesus in our life? Now from this text, there are some very practical things about the Lordship of Jesus. The first is, as disciples of Jesus, we advocate peace. We advocate peace. Verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ, not the peace of men. The peace of men a lot of times looks more like a ceasefire, and people are just getting ready to reload, right? Let the peace of Christ, the one that ends hostilities, rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you're called to peace. Let me tell you what he's not saying. He, he's not talking about internal serenity, even though there is that sense of peace that Scripture talks about. What he is talking about is how the body, how we, the church, get along with each other, how the church gets along and experiences peace within itself. That's the context of this section of, of Colossians. All of the pronouns in that section are in the plural. He's talking about us. He's talking about our experiences of us and the way that we bump into us and the way that we live with us and the way that we make peace rule in the lives of us. He's speaking to the church. And the beginning point of living a life that honors Christ is to get it right in our relationships. I, I love what Cliff had to say this morning. You know, when he was talking about the mission statement, it is, it's about loving God. When you think about the cross and the way that God loves us and to the degree that God loves us, that God does not love us to this point and no more, and God doesn't love us for what he can get out of us. He loves us all the way to putting his being in jeopardy. We love God because he first loved us, but a second is like it. Do you know what it's like to love God? It's to love his people. It's to love human beings. And in that way, we, we change the world. Jesus said in one of his per, first public teachings, Sermon on the Mount, that we are not to go to worship if we are not right with our brothers and sisters. He says that in Matthew chapter 5. In fact, Jesus said that we are, as his people, to make it our priority to right that relationship before we return to the worship of God. 
Paul will say in Romans chapter 12, listen, as, as, if it's possible as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In verse 15, talking about letting the, uh, the, uh, the word dwell, it means something like an umpire. Or, excuse me, the word rule in verse 15. The word rule means something like, like an umpire in the original language. Everyone knows you know, what an umpire is for in baseball. You have everything going along just fine, and then one team says in the play that the call should go this way. The other team says the call should go that way. If the umpire is, is, is legit and he's a person of integrity, he's going to speak the truth and he's going to say the way that it should go. That place of peace in our relationships is what, is what the umpire is leading us to. Peace is that umpire saying, this is the way that the life is supposed to go. Peace is the decision-making factor. And again, I like the way that the Living Bible puts it. Let the peace of heart which comes from Christ be always present in your heart and lives, for that is your responsibility and privilege as a member of His body. We as His people advocate peace. But then number two, we let the Word, the Word of God, move home. Verse 16, let the, the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, to be honest, it takes a lot of spiritual energy and spiritual enthusiasm and spiritual power to live as a mature believer. And occasionally, snacking on the Word of God is not enough. You have to invite the Word of God to move in. To not just come for a visit. I mean, think about all of the ways that people come into our house. We have people that just kind of make it up to the front porch and to the front door and they drop off something, but we don't really get to know them. We don't, really, we don't even know their name. There are people that are our friends that come and they stay for a short time, but after staying there for a little bit, they have to leave and they go on and it may be a long time before they ever come back. But the people, suppose it's that kiddo that just got out of, out of college, doesn't have a whole lot of money, doesn't have a job yet, and you invite that kid to move in. That kid's not going anywhere for a long time, Right? He's got to save the money. He's got to find the job. And what does he do? He doesn't just bring the clean clothes. He brings everything. I mean, everything that that kid has just comes in and dwells and stops and stacks and, is, and, and, and lays on the carpet and on the bed, and it's just there. That's what it means to dwell. When your mind is full of the Word of God, not for a visit, not for hors d'oeuvres and a snack and then off to something else. But the Word of God begins to dwell and live. Lock, stock, and barrel, everything, every utterance begins to live in you. And it works in cooperation with God's Spirit and giving you the knowledge and the strength to do God's will. Then you begin to experience the change that God's Word can bring into your life. I, I really fear for a, a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, because they've never developed the disciplines necessary for, for making the Word of God an integral part of their thinking. I can remember uh, years ago, years ago, uh, 25 years ago as a missionary in Brazil, uh, some of our longest members and the members that we had taught the most and had spent the most time with and we would give them opportunities to get up and to speak, and there were things that they would give up and speak as, 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 um, 
as disciples that sometimes would just curl your toes. And you begin to see that there's just more to the Word of God dwelling in somebody's life than just teaching them. There has to be those disciplines of, of reading and thinking and contemplating and memorizing God's Word and, and connecting the dots and, and reading from Genesis to the maps in order to get the story, the narrative, the, 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 the themes of, 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 of theology and of the, the great truths of God that begin in Genesis and go all the way to the end of Revelation, just to the, to the left of the maps. And allow those things to reside and to ruminate and, and to marinate in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, so that they become a way that you think in all of God's truths. And so, having never developed the necessary disciplines, when we're confronted by temptations, we do not have the Word of God affecting directly our thinking and our acting. And not having the foundation of knowledge makes us susceptible to the lies and the deception of Satan, who is a master of lies and a master of all falsehoods. What we need is the truth and the Spirit to give you the strength to live that truth. And so the question is, does the Word of God dwell in you? So we advocate peace, we let the Word of God move home, and then number three, we celebrate the reign of God constantly. He says, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Notice again that in this, in this context, it's, it's not about going to church. But it's about a lifestyle. There's no mention of the assembly here. The context is the lifestyle of the people who go to that church in Colossae. And what Paul says is that praise is a way of life. We learned um, last Sunday when we were talking about all of the things that Christ has accomplished in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 12, that it's not just something that begins to well up as praise in song to God and thankfulness and in faith for all of the, the great things He's blessed us with, but we realize that we become that praise to God. That's how we live. And when we gather together on the first day of the week in corporate worship, we praise God. And we, we lift each other's spirits up when we sing and encourage one another and admonish one another and, 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 and living out in worship the, the dynamics of our faith. But there is a praise that wells up in our hearts throughout the rest of our lives. That praise is a huge part of the Christian life. The largest book in the entire Bible is the Psalms, which is dedicated to praise. And not always, and not even most of the time, in the formal worship. You know, I've, I've said this before, for those of you who have never sung near me. But for those of you who have, you know that my, my singing voice is not that great. In fact, it's pretty bad. It's been compared to the mating call of a stomach pump by some. And when they're handing out the microphones for the singers on Sunday morning, they stay away from me. They never hand me one of those mics. But one fact that is not lost on me is that I am every day of my life on that praise team. And that's a fact. We advocate peace. Paul says, let the word of God dwell, move home in your heart. Celebrate the reign of God constantly. And then number four, grow in gratitude. 
Listen to the text again. I'm going to read verses 15, 16, 17. Listen to the emphasis. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. What stands out? Gratitude. We're thankful. We are gratitude-filled, thanksgiving, exuding people of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 5, nor should there be obscenity and foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather in the place of all of that, thanksgiving. You know, quite honestly, that would be pretty easy for all of us if we got to choose our own circumstances. And I would choose the, the optimal circumstances for the easy life. But the problem is that you and I do not get to choose our circumstances hardly at all in this life, and very rarely, if ever, in this life, do we? The only thing that we get to choose is the response to those circumstances. And we can choose to be grateful and to be thankful. And then the last thing that we'll talk about tonight is to participate in the community of faith. We know this, but he always reminds us as we read his word that God put us in a family. Let me read again and let you hear the emphasis. Let the peace of Christ rule in your, plural, hearts. Since as members of one body, you, plural, were called to peace. And be thankful that the word of God dwell in you, plural, Richly as you, again plural, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you, plural, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your, guess what, plural, in your hearts to God. And whatever you, plural, do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There are a, just a ton of one another passages in the Bible, which means that there are commands in the Bible that you cannot fulfill, that you cannot obey, unless you are in the church. And do you know what that, that really kind of tells me? That going and sitting in a church service on Sundays, even every Sunday of your life, is not the same thing as participating in a church family. How many people in our church know your name and how many people in our church encourage you when you need it or can tell by your eyes that you're not having a very good week or are there to laugh and to have the tears of joy in the highest happiest moments of your life One of the metaphors used to describe the nature 
of what it means to be the church is family. I remember uh, as, a, as a young boy, we, were, we had taken a um, camping trip to the beach. We had gone to, uh, to Biloxi, Mississippi, and uh, we, it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment kind of a, a vacation that my mom and dad decided to take. Dad was given uh, unexpectedly some time off, so we drive out to the beach, and lo and behold, in the middle of the summer, every hotel in Biloxi, Mississippi is taken. So we ended up camping on, on the beach. And uh, it, was, it was one of those, remember how kids, uh, I mean, we were so unprofessional, you know, when it comes to camping. You remember when kids will grab the covers off of the bed and they'll make a tent in the house in the living room, room, room using chairs? I, basically, that's what we were doing. We had the sleeping bags, you know, and all this kind of stuff. It just, we just made a tent out of all of this stuff. And the really thing that I, I enjoyed the most was all of us sitting around the fire and we were cooking and things like that. And we were just sitting out there in the evening. The sun had gone down. It was dark. The waves were coming in. It was a beautiful scene. And um, I just had this stick sitting there by the fire and I moved uh, a piece of wood that was on fire, little piece, away from the fire. And you, you know what happened. Uh, because it wasn't part of something bigger, that ember began to die out. And just before it died out, you know, we were able to move it back in. And it caught on fire again and became red hot and it became a part of the fire. And I think that that's one of the reasons why it's pressed upon us to think about the church as a family. That like coals that are on fire, once they are removed from that fire and from that heat and from that source, they begin to die and they begin to wane and the lights begin to go out and it's only in being connected to that fire that that coal, that piece of wood, whatever it is, that ember begins to light up again. It's the same for us. We, we move away from the church, we, we disconnect, we disengage with, with people who have the same worldview, the same mission, the same values, the same spirit, the same salvation, the same God, the same scriptures. We, we move away from people who are living their lives out following the same Lord and Master and Messiah as disciples. And when we move away from that and disconnect from that and disengage from that, we become isolated from that, then what happens is we begin to sense that that fire begins to die out in us too. And that's why there's such an emphasis in the New Testament, not just in light of the fact that there were going to be people like Paul in the early days, and, and, and Hebrews in every city in the Roman world that would, that would reject the message and would at times persecute and sometimes bring violence upon the disciples that they needed to stay strong for that. But they needed to realize, as Paul is going to tell them in all kinds of ways, that it's not just that physical danger and the physical temptation, but our real fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against that, the, the, the enemy in the invisible world. That's why we need each other. And that's why we participate and not just show up on Sundays, but we become members. And not just becoming members so that our name is on a roll, but we become members so that there are all of these doors and opportunities that open up for us to participate in such a way that we not only grow spiritually ourselves and become more the likeness of Christ, but we contribute to that very process in other people. And not only that we find for a, a decades a harmony and, and a partnership 
and relationships and a fellowship that is there with us through all of the dips and all of the high points and the plains that we travel through in all of life, we find that we're not alone. That we're not alone. And that there was always somebody there beside us who was praying for us because they knew what was going on in our life. Or they could see the temptation before we could. Or they were there when the bottom fell out of your life and were able to help you pick up the pieces of your life and to begin putting it back together again, not as a human being, but as a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth. And that encouragement and those words and all of that is what Paul is trying to help the church in Colossae to see and the church in San Antonio to see 21 centuries later that it's all important. The advocating of peace because we represent the Prince of Peace, allowing God's Word to move in, and not just for a short period of time, but to dwell, to live in our hearts and our mind and our soul. And to understand that there, there is a place for thankfulness and gratitude every day because God is the treasure. And whatever can be taken away from you, that can't be. They can take away jobs and even health. They can take away everything. But when God is your treasure... You live with gratitude every day because the most important thing, the most beautiful thing, the most treasured thing can never be taken away from you. And you realize that not only that, but you participate in a community of faith, that you're part of a church, you're part of a body. And it's more than just showing up on a Sunday, participating in worship. It's who we are, the body, connected, ignoble and noble parts together, both important but being different. And each part being different, being the different part that's needed for the body to be healthy. And the body is not just for Sundays, it's for every day of life. Every day of life. And I just want to say that I'm, 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 I'm grateful to be a part of a church and to be part of a body and to have fellowship and to have wise men and wise women around me who bless me. I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak words of encouragement at funerals and to see two young people come together in marriage and to be able to say to them in their vows and in the wedding that it is about us existing together for the purposes of God and to enjoy that relationship with God forever and ever and ever, beginning the day of your salvation and ending in the endlessness of eternity. It's about living your life in a way that God always intended it to be. Thankful, His will, His commands, His assurances, His promises in our hearts, in community, not just with Him, but with the people that recognize Him as Father and Creator, and to live as 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 beautiful people live doing everything and speaking everything in the name of Jesus in his presence. We're going to sing an invitation song and our shepherds are going to be down here at the front. And what we want to do is we want to pray for you tonight. We want to love you and we want to pray for you and where needed counsel and share God's word with you so that it dwells, those truths dwell in your heart in such a way that it changes you and revolutionizes you and transforms you into the image of Jesus.
And if that describes you in any way tonight, come down and talk to our shepherds. As we stand up and in hearts full of faith and thankfulness, we praise God together. Wonderful story of love, tell it to me again. Wonderful story of love, wake the immortal strain. Angel with rapture announce it, shepherd with wonder receive it. Sinner, oh, won't you believe it? Wonderful story of love, wonderful, 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 wonderful story of love, wonderful story of love, Jesus provides a rest, wonderful story of love, for all the partake of the Lord's Supper. It's left prepared for you in the room that's directly behind me, and you may come forward as we sing our last song together. Let's go ahead and sing again, Oh, Praise the Name. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see His wounds, His hands, His feet. My Savior Tree, his body bound. 